This film is Lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. It's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the 11th episode of This Film is Lit, the podcast where we answer the age-old question, is the book really better than the film? Today's episode, we're talking about the film, 1971 film, I believe, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, based on the Roald Dahl book from... Oh, 1962, I want to say. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We didn't have a prequel episode because we were a little busy with holiday stuff, travel, all of that good shenanigans. We just didn't really have time. So, which is all right, because we hadn't really seen any movies or anything to discuss. So we're just going to do a little bit of the the preview info, kind of set it up here like we used to in our first episodes before we did the prequel episodes. And we'll get back to the prequel episodes next week, because we'll probably have seen something new or exciting by then, I would think. (laughs) But yeah, so we're going to jump right in, right off the bat here, to our fun facts about the book and the uh, film. We'll start with the book, Katie. Let's talk about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. So there were a couple inspirations for this book, um, Mm -hmm. one of which was a childhood experience that Roald Dahl had. Um, Cadbury used to send samples to his school. And use the kids as, like, a focus group. Makes sense. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Give the kids the candy, see what they think. Um, Another thing that inspired him was actually um, chocolate espionage was a real thing. Oh, like spies? In the 1920s, yeah. Um, Competing companies would send undercover spies to each other's factories to try and steal trade secrets. Yeah. Um, it was apparently really intense in the 1920s between Cadbury and Roundtrees, which is another it's another British. Yeah, Cadbury's um, delicious. Yeah, Cadbury, I know. Um, Roundtrees, I haven't heard of, but I'm going to assume it maybe is more popular across the pond. I'm sure, yeah, like because Cadbury's <laughs> is isn't like. Super popular over here, other than like right. some of the cream eggs and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, well, I mean, we, the I know. big chocolate yeah. company overseas. Yeah. Like when I was in Scotland, I remember that was like the main chocolate. It was like Hershey's over here, but actually good. Yeah, I, guess, <sighs> I mean, I guess if it wasn't for the Cadbury eggs, I don't know if I would even know. Yeah, their, their regular chocolate bar is mm-hmm. what you can get over here. It's just, it's like in a purple wrapper, is some of the best, just like generic, like chocolate. It's so good. I can't remember what it's called. It's called like, it's just their milk chocolate, but it's got a name. Cadbury, if you'd like to sponsor us, we've already written you a commercial. (laughs) Yes. Cadbury, I can't, why can't I not remember what it's called? It's a purple wrapper. Anyway, I saw it at Five Below the other day. It's so good. Their milk chocolate is so good. I'll have to get one. Yeah. I do love some chocolate. Um, let's see. This book went through a lot of different drafts. Uh Um, original title was Charlie's Chocolate Boy, um, and in that original draft, Charlie accidentally gets encased in chocolate. 
Charlie's Chocolate Boy sounds like a very different book. Really That's a good name change that they decided there. So, could have gone a very different direction. Um, other earlier drafts of the book um, included up to 15 kids that get taken out by the chocolate factory, um, including a little girl who gets turned into peanut brittle. So that's oh. fun. I'm, I'm sure that was a lot of fun. Real quick, Cadbury Dairy Milk. It's called Dairy, dairy milk, milk Chocolate. That does sound delicious. It's the creamiest, most delectable chocolate bar you will ever have. It, I mean, I'm sure they're... What? Cadbury, we want your sponsorship. <laughs> yes, just send us a bunch of dairy milks. We'll give them out as a giveaway. It'll be great. Ugh, so good. Sorry, I didn't cut you off. Go ahead. Um, another thing that I found out while I was uh, doing a little bit of research on this that I thought was interesting because I'd actually never heard this before. Mm-hmm. Um, Roald Dahl apparently originally intended Charlie to be black. Like I said, that original <laughs> Okay, yeah, that, that is a good Charlie change. Charlie the Chocolate Boy. Um, <laughs> well, apparently his editor at the time was a racist jerk oh, cool. and advised him against it, told him that he thought it was a bad idea and that readers would question why the main character was black. He's not wrong, probably. In the 60s? Yeah. I guess, maybe. Even still, how many fucking idiots on the internet scream anytime <laughs> a woman or a person of color is the main character in a fucking movie? I mean, but those are idiots on the internet. <laughs> yeah, fair though. enough. I, I mean, I don't think I would have thought anything of it as a kid. No, I wouldn't either. I'm, I'm just saying. But we're not fucking racist idiots. <laughs> so. um, but it's interesting to me. Um, this was Dahl's second children's book yeah um he had already written some adult fiction which by the way if you've never read any of his adult fiction i didn't know he wrote adult fiction oh take a look at it it's crazy i can imagine because his children's fiction's pretty loopy and out there i can imagine it's very dark yeah it's dark stuff yeah um but anyway I, i have to wonder like had he been more established in that genre and trusted his own vision more if he would have ignored his editor's advice. So, anything else for the uh, fun facts on the book here? Um, no. Okay, because I got a bit to get through on, okay. the, on the movie side. I'm sure you do. There was a lot going on with the movie. Yeah. So, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, 1971, written by Roald Dahl, who wrote the first draft uh, of, of the, the screenplay. screenplay. Yeah, And then... Uh, David Seltzer was brought in to rework the screenplay. David Seltzer, most known for writing The Omen, um, which is interesting. Uh, he wor- was brought in to rework Dahl's screenplay against Roald Dahl's wishes. Uh, he made major changes to the ending. Uh, these changes and other decisions made uh, by the director led Dahl to disown the film. Famously, yeah. everybody knows, most people know, who know Willy oh, Wonka, know that Roald it. Dahl hated this adaptation, even though everybody else loves it, or not necessarily as an ad- loves it as a film. Who know, I you know we'll yeah. we'll talk about we'll get into whether or not adaptation wise it's very good. But um, so yes, uh, so the guy who wrote the Omen came in and rewrote uh, and made a bunch of changes. Um, it, it had a budget of just three million dollars and received generally positive reviews, and it earned roughly four million by the end of its run. So it was not really a huge success, mm-hmm. but it made its money back. Um, it made a lot more money in syndication and, and, yeah. and you know, uh, in... Uh, I mean, it's become home, a cult classic yeah. at this point. Home video release yeah. later. Uh, in 72, it received an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Score, and Wilder, Gene Wilder, was nominated for Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Uh, but both of those lost out to another musical that came out in 1972, then won a lot of awards. Mm. Got any guesses? 72. 1972. It's a very famous musical, but it's not one. I, we've never watched it. I don't. We've never watched it together. No, I don't know if I've ever even seen it. Honestly. Okay, let me think. Um, but it's a very. It's one of the most well, famous. It's too musicals. late for the Sound of Music. Yeah, it's too late for the Sound of Music. That was the late sixties, I think. Um, it's like up there amongst the top ten musicals of all time. I would bet. All right, what is it? Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, Fiddler! Oh, I didn't realize that that came out that late. Yeah, seventy-two. Or 71, I guess, but yeah. Yep, lost out for best original score. Fiddler on the Roof does have a better score. But see, now it says best original score, so then Fiddler wouldn't have been 
Was Fiddler not... Was that a movie before it was on Broadway? I don't know. For it to be an original score, wouldn't it have have to been? I don't know. Maybe how it's that still works. technically an original score if like they changed some stuff for the maybe, movie. Yeah. Like maybe, I don't know. Interesting, I have to look into that. In twenty fourteen the film was selected uh for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. This is like the third or fourth movie. Like Wizard of Oz is on there. Uh I'm sure there's a couple others. Uh it was on the list because it's culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Okay. Yep. The idea for adapting the book into a film came uh, about when the director, Mel Stewart, the guy who directed the film, his 10-year-old daughter read the book and was like, hey, daddy, make this a movie. Oh, she was Veruca Salt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I want it now. <laughs> he showed the book to a producer uh, who was talking to the Quaker Oats Company oh, God. about making a movie or a TV show or something to introduce a new candy bar uh -huh. from the Quaker Oats Company. Uh. So they did, and then they renamed that that part of their company to Willy Wonka mm -hmm. uh, Candy Company and sold it to Nestle. He persuaded them, who had no like experience in the film industry, to buy the rights to the book and then finance the movie for the purpose of promoting their candy. Yeah. Yeah. The Quaker Oats Wonka bar. Correct me if I'm wrong, which is why it's Willy Wonka and yes, the Chocolate Factory. and not Charlie. Probably yeah, the main the I, name recognition. I, I would assume that's why I didn't find that particular note, but that would make sense because yes, they they the, the Quaker Oats paid for this movie. Yeah. In order to sell their Wonka bar. You know, if you asked me to name any food company that was getting into the candy business, I don't think I would have picked Quaker Oats. Yeah. Well, they eventually sold it to Nestle, but well, apparently um, they weren't very good at it. Yeah. They were good enough to sell it for a fair chunk of change to Nestle. All six members of Monty Python were considered for the role of, of Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Hmm. Uh, and Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Terry Gillum, Terry Jones, and Michael Palin, who we've seen in a million things. Mm -hmm. uh, well, sorry, they weren't considered. They all wanted to play the role. They oh. all expressed interest in playing the role. I don't know how many. I'm sure some of them were considered, too. But uh, So this is fun. Wilder was cast. He mm -hmm. accepted the role on one condition. And this is supposedly his edition, and now you can we, if you can correct me if not. But this is this is why he said I this I'll do the movie if we do this. When I first make my entrance, this is a quote. I'd like to come out of the door carrying a cane, and then walk toward the crowd with a limp. After the crowd sees Willy Wonka is a cripple, they all whisper themselves and become deadly quiet. As I walk toward them, my cane sinks into one of the cobblestones. I'm walking on and stands straight up by itself, but I keep walking until I realize that I no longer have my cane. I start to fall forward, and just before I hit the ground, I do a beautiful forward somersault and bounce back up to great applause. I mean, it's not in the book. No, it's, so. so this is Gene Wilder's choice, and he, <laughs> according to legend, he said, I will do it if we do hmm. this. And his reasoning is actually, I think, a very interesting reason it works really well for the movie. So the reason he wanted to do this and this is what he followed up with. He goes, from that moment forward, no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. Fair. Which works for his character very well because he's a very zany truth teller slash, uh, well, nah, you know. I mean, he's a trickster archetype. Trickster, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you establish his character right away as, what is this guy about? And he lies to you immediately and switches up your expectations. So, yeah, I think it works. That was interesting. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. wanted to play... That's who Bill is. Bill is the candy man. The candy store guy. Oh, okay. We said when we were watching the credits, it said Bill. And we're like, who's Bill? Candy store clerk. Huh. Sammy Davis Jr. wanted to play him. Hmm. Uh, but Stewart didn't... Uh, the director didn't like the idea of, like, a big, famous... Mm -hmm. like person playing that role because he thought it would like take people out of the experience of the film and would like break the reality yeah. of the film but later sammy davis jr recorded the Candyman song and it like blew up on the charts hmm. like he recorded a version yeah. of it later yeah, yeah. uh ebert loved the movie gave it like three and a half stars mm -hmm. and his i thought his review was really good he said all of this pre uh all of this is prefaced to a simple statement. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is probably the best film of its sort since The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. It is everything that family movies usually claim to be but aren't. Delightful, funny, scary, exciting, and most of all, a genuine work of imagination. Willy Wonka is such a surely and wonderfully spun fantasy that it works on all kinds of minds 
And it is fascinating because, like all classic fantasy, it is fascinated with itself. Hmm. I mean, Ebert did have a way for words. That's why he's like the most famous <laughs> movie critic of all time. But And as we discussed earlier, my final little fact here is that Dahl disavowed the film once it was rewritten by David Seltzer. And part of that, though, was because Roald Dahl was failing to beat deadlines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Writers. In 1996, Dahl's second wife, Felicity commented on her husband's objections and he, she said uh, they always want to change a book's storyline what makes Hollywood think children want the endings changed for a film when they accept it in the book so I would agree with that <laughs> yeah I'm so that down was, that was their comments on the, or his second wife's comments on the changes that they made and, and why he didn't like it mainly because hmm. they changed the end of the film yeah supposedly which we'll talk about because I didn't know that um but let's get into it. It's time for Guess Who. Okay, so I think you should get most of these. But we'll see. Okay. He was so enormously fat, he looked as though he had been blown up with a powerful pump. Great flabby folds of fat bulged out from every part of his body, and his face was like a monstrous ball of dough with two small, greedy, currenty eyes peering out upon the world. Augustus Gloop. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, there's like the meme on the internet about how, whoa, this is a fat kid in 1971 and Augustus Gloop was like the actor mm -hmm. playing him. I mean, while overweight is not like... You know, you can see a yeah. kid fatter than that every time you go to the grocery <laughs> store. Uh, and, and that description of him is like, he's huge. Yeah. And he's really not in he's the movie. He's really not he's, fat he's, enough. He's overweight. Yeah, he's really not fat enough. Like, they, I feel like even in 1971, it wouldn't have been that hard to find a kid a little bit fatter. <laughs> like, a little bit fatter. Like, I mean, he, yeah, he's overweight, but it's not like this kid does nothing but eat. That's not yeah. what I get from watching that. Anyways, yeah. Gustus Gloop. One for one. Okay, this is a longer one. Okay. So bear with me. I will bear. He had a black top hat on his head. He wore a tailcoat made of a beautiful plum-colored velvet. His trousers were bottle green. His gloves were pearly gray. And in one hand, he carried a fine gold-topped walking cane. Covering his chin, there was a small, neat, pointed black beard. A goatee. And his eyes... His eyes were most marvelously bright. They seemed to be sparkling and twinkling at you all the time. The whole face, in fact, was alight with fun and laughter. And oh, how clever he looked. How sharp and quick and full of life. He kept making quick, jerky little movements with his head, cocking it this way and that, and taking everything in with those bright, twinkling eyes. He was like a squirrel in the quickness of his movements, like a quick, clever old squirrel from the park. It was Willy Wonka. It's Willy Wonka, yeah. yeah. I mean, as soon as you say purple coat. Yeah. I, <laughs> the only thing that was like a slight loop was the, the goatee or the little beard, because Gene Wilder does not no. have a beard. But everything else was, yeah, spot on. I think there's a black hat mm -hmm. in the book and not a, like a brownish. It's like a brownie purple. No, in the movie, it's like brown... Yeah. Like like a light, almost orange, almost like an orange hat. Is it? It is. It's like brown bordering on like a reddish brownish orange mm. kind oh, of. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Oof, two for two. Holy Wonka. <laughs> is that it or is there one more? No, there's more. Two more? Two more. Okay. He looked fat and well-fed. He had big lips and fat cheeks and a very fat neck. The fat around his neck bulged all out around the top of his collar like a rubber ring. I mean, I got a couple ideas, one being Augustus Gloop's father, mm -hmm. which seems like such a very minor character to, I mean, assuming it's not different in, it's, nah. uh, like maybe in the book, like his father goes with him, or maybe they just, I don't know, maybe, even if not, maybe they just describe him. My other thought would be uh, Veruca Salt's father, because he's a chubbier man. Mm -hmm. Veruca? Veruca. 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 Uh, I'm gonna go with just. I'm gonna try to play the odds here. Uh, Veruca Salt's dead. 
It's the man behind the counter at the candy shop. Oh, Bill. Yeah. Well, Bill. In the movie, Bill, but. He doesn't have a name in the book. He's very thin in the movie. Yeah. He's very spindly. He is apparently not in the book. Well, I mean, it'd be fair. He works at a candy shop. I mean, yeah. Okay, one more. Three for three. No, sorry. Two for three. I lost that one. I was wrong. (laughs) He smiled, showing beautiful white teeth. His skin was rosy white. His long hair was golden brown. Ugh. Who the fuck has long hair in this movie? Nobody. Oh, what? Who the heck is this? Um, I, I'm gonna go just... That doesn't even really make sense. I was like, the only things that pop into my head are Slugworth. Grandpa Joe, but he's got white hair. I feel like he's supposed to be old enough to have gray hair. Grandpa Joe. It's an Oompa Loompa. Oh, say that again? That's the extent of the description of an Oompa Loompa? Well, I left out something that made it very obvious. (laughs) So I will read you the entire description this time. The Oompa Loompa bowed and smiled, showing beautiful white teeth. His skin was rosy white, his long hair was golden brown, and the top of his head came to just above the height of Mr. Wonka's knee. Okay. But they're very still. That's interesting. They're not orange-skinned. You didn't know that? No. Green-haired or whatever. I had no idea that that... Oh, we're going to talk about a I lot guess maybe, about that later. I guess maybe I did know that because in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they're kind of normal. Like, they mm-hmm. don't... You know, they're not... Yeah, they're just like little dudes. They're just little, they're all that the same little guy. Johnny Depp. Yeah. Version of it. Yeah, interesting. Huh? No, I had no idea. Well, two for four, not great, but could be worse. <laughs> Let's move on though, because I got a bunch for was that in the book, so we're gonna have to. Whew, we got to power through a bunch of them. Okay. Was that in the book? Was that in the book? Was that in the book? All right, first one. <laughs> this is just, I, this is dumb. But the uh, the tinkerer, the creepy knife sharpener salesman guy who's like, it's been closed for 40 years and nobody's coming. That tells Charlie. No, no, and I don't understand why he was added. To be scary. I, I guess, but there's not really like a purpose. Yeah. Because in the book, Charlie just, like, finds everything out from, like, his grandparents are telling him stories. Right. they're just, like, but, telling yeah. him. Yeah. I don't get the, I don't get the creepy... I think it was to add more, um, uh, what's the right word? <laughs> I, I'm trying, because I, I want to say it's a word like animosity, but ominous, like the, the, the version of <laughs> ominous, like the adverb of ominous ominosity <laughs> yeah I, I feel like that should be it but that's probably not a real word no, it's so not. but you know like they wanted to make it more ominous they wanted to make it uh kind of like ooh, a mystery like a creepy weird i guess is yeah. my only guess for why they changed that so i, I kind of figured like that wasn't in the book no. I was like, that seems just some random dude weird. with a bunch of knives <laughs> and he calls him a tinkerer but all he has is knives hanging on his <laughs> cart so this one this is a big one and i might know the answer but my second part of this is what I'm more interested in. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that there are no songs in the book. Or, like, again, when I say songs, I mean, like, Lord of the Rings-style, like, songs or anything like that. There actually are songs. There are songs? There are Lord of the Rings-style songs. Oh, my goodness! The Oompa Loompas sing. It's not oh, the same. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I mean, the Oompa Loompas are a Greek chorus. Right. They comment on... All yeah, but the they do a similar thing. Like yeah, in it's the a movie. similar thing. Huh. Okay, well, then my second half of that question then was, assuming that there weren't songs, are there like the moments that where there are the big songs? Are there reflections of those moments in just the description slash dialogue in the book? Like, so what I mean by that is, um, like the moment when uh, they first walk into the candy room or whatever, and mm-hmm. Willy Wonka sings uh, "Pure Imagination," whatever the song is called, mm-hmm. "Imagination." Um, are any of those lines in that song reflected in anything like Willy Wonka says? I don't think so. Do we want to talk about the Oompa Loompa songs now, or do we want to wait on that? Well, I mean, the Oompa Loompa songs. Um, 
and they kind of serve the same function. Right. Um, they're just a little different. They're, yeah, they're, I mean, they're shorter and they're catchier. Can you find I one? How, how long are they? Can they're you find one long. and read one? I'll find oh. one and read a section. Yeah, just read a little bit of it. I just want to hear, get a feel for it. Augustus Gloop, chanted the Oompa Loompas. Augustus Gloop, Augustus Gloop, the great big greedy nincompoop. How long could we allow this beast to gorge and guzzle, feed and feast, on everything he wanted to? Great Scott, it simply wouldn't do. Okay, um, so yeah, similar. So it's kind of like a rhyme, but yeah. that goes on for like another page and a half. Right, right, but uh, yeah, that is very similar, yeah. kind of idea of what they do in the, in the book, or yeah. the movie. So that's cool, yeah, I, I, I didn't expect that actually. Actually, I guess I kind of did, I, I almost wrote that down, like... There would almost have to be the Oompa Loompa songs. That feels like such a pivotal part of, uh-huh. especially because it was in both movies, and that's a little bit outside of what we're doing. But I've seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and they also do the songs yeah. in that for that part. So I kind of thought maybe that was, ah, it's interesting though. Okay, cool. I just, I'm astonished that you've never read this. I, use, I don't know. We we read different things when we were kids, well, yeah, I guess. but this is like a classic. No, I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I never read it. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And I read a lot of books when I was a kid. Like, I read a I know, ton. that's why I'm astonished. Like, I, that was all I did was read when I was a little kid. Uh, Slugworth, who I'm almost surely going to call Slughorn at some point in this review. <laughs> uh, I know he's, I, I assume he's in, he would almost have, well, you said it earlier, he's in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, is the same sort of, like, does he have as much of a role of, like... No. Like, trying to, like, get the secret... Because it's funny, because you mentioned the chocolate spies or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. And so, is that an element of it in the book? So, the reason that um, he initially closes his factory, right, when they talk about... Yeah, Yeah. when he closes it, um, that's why. Is because of chocolate spies. Um, And Slugworth is mentioned as a candy making competitor yeah but he's not a character in the story okay he's just mentioned yeah interesting okay because here's what's funny speaking of now so he's he doesn't have any of that plot no he doesn't show up and actually be working for no it's not present at all which makes no sense speak well or makes very little sense it's funny because i noticed i didn't realize this i don't know if i noticed it before this time um when i was watching it a little more closely in the candy shop in the beginning the Bill, our favorite, uh, the candy man, <laughs> offers to, uh, he, he says, do you want to buy a Slughorn Sizzler? Or a slug? <laughs> I did it! I did it! And I didn't mean to. A Slugworth Sizzler. He says that to Charlie at one point. He's like, you want a Slugworth Sizzler or a Wonka, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait a second. Because you know, at this point I knew, I obviously having seen the movie a dozen times mm-hmm. or whatever, that Slughorn, <laughs> Slugworth ends up work being he says he works Willy Wonka says yeah. he works for him oh okay maybe that's what it is that guy's not actually Slugworth no that makes sense cause in my head I thought that guy was actually Slugworth <laughs> and I was like wait a second so Slugworth set up Willy Wonka set up a whole nother shell company that has its own line of chocolate that Slugworth has his name on just so that he can have this elaborate plan to try to find a kid who's worthy, who doesn't give up his secrets to the... <laughs> oh, that makes much more sense if that's just not actually Slugworth. Yeah. He even says it. He's got a different name. He calls him Mr. Something. Yeah. Oh, I'm dumb. That's, you're cute. You're adorable. Also, Sizzler is a terrible name for a chocolate bar. <laughs> well, Slugworth. Slugworth is a terrible name yeah. for a... Oh, you want a Slugworth Sizzler? No, I don't want <laughs> no, that. No, thank you. I don't you. know what that is, but it sounds terrible. <laughs> Okay. Next one. Uncle Joe. Let's talk or Grandpa Joe. Let's talk about I don't know why I wrote Uncle Joe. Grandpa Joe, let's talk about it. Is he bedridden and then magically able to walk? Yes. What a fucking shitter. Everybody hates Grandpa Joe. I know. That's like a thing. It's a, it's a meme. I yeah. know. It's weird. Well, it's not weird. I get it because he's like, I can't walk. Oh, wait. We're going to a sweet chocolate factory. I can walk. <laughs> I can walk now. I'm good. I'm good now. I can walk. Um. So it's the same thing. Like he just sees it in bed and then now he's fine. He can yeah. I mean, I guess they never say in the book that like they can't 
get up? Because they explicitly say in the movie that they're bedridden for yeah. the last 20 years. And because he says something about wishing he could help. Yeah. Like, you know, like get a job or whatever. Wishing he could help them like around the house or pay, get, make money or something. Like explicitly saying that he can't get out of bed. But then he just can. Cause yeah. Ch- chocolate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have a lot of other problems with Grandpa Joe that we'll get to when we discuss later on. <laughs> Coming up here in momentarily. Okay, this is a random thing, and it seems like a thing Roald Dahl would do. So, uh, are all of the parents slash adults in this movie <laughs> their names uh, like the male and female version of the same um, name? The grandparents are. It's Joe and Josephina and um, George and Georgina. Yeah. Well, it's um, funny because they mention, uh, is it Mike's? No. One of the, is it? Uh, Veruca's. Yeah. Which, though, they're, that's not mentioned in the okay, book. Okay, because so Veruca's parents are Henry movie. and Henrietta. Yeah. And I was wondering, are all of the <laughs> parents, like, the uh, male and female name of, which would be, you know, a thing I could see. Yeah, that's a super rolled doll That's a super, like, quirky, like, do. silly thing to do. Um, so, so at least, the, that's probably what it is. The grandparents were that, and they just kind of expanded it to the other characters yes. in the movie. Cool. My last one for was that in the book. Because I have a problem with this scene, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it kind of ruins a lot of the movie, thinking on it. And I mean, ruin it, but like, uh, the fizzy lifting drinks. The fizzy lifting drinks are not in the book. I have a huge problem with it, too. Okay. I kind of want to get to it in we can wait. a different and well, better in the book. Okay, we can do that. We can wait for better in the book. So that scene is not in the movie, or not in the book. It's not in the book. Okay. Because I want to talk about that in conjunction with the Slugworth okay. side Okay, well plot. then we'll wait on it. We'll put a pin in that, but the fizzy lifting drinks isn't in the book, because I have a problem with it that I want to discuss yeah. later. Um, they mention fizzy lifting drinks. Yeah. Like, it's something that's mentioned yeah. randomly, yeah. but they don't ever, like... Go to a room. Yeah, they don't go to a room, they don't try them, they don't do anything with them. Let's move on. This could be an interesting one. I only have one fort, but I think we're going to get into the the weeds with the Oompa Loompas. It's time for Lost in Adaptation. (laughs) Oompa Loompa style. Loompa Land. Is that a place that is expanded upon in the book that we learn any more about? Yes. Uh, Okay. Okay. Let's get into the Oompa Loompas. Let's get into it. Because, because this was, sounded like you were excited to talk Oompas. This is um, a point of contention that I have with the book. With the book? Um, okay. So Oompa Loompas in the, in the movie are orange and green little men. Little little people. Right? Little little, people. And they're all men, at least yeah. they seem to be. Yeah. It, it would appear. It would appear from our um, experience. Okay, so the first published edition of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, I think I said 1962 earlier. I was incorrect. It was okay. 1964. Okay, close. Okay. Though. Pretty close. Um, they're literally like pygmies from oh, Africa. No. I know. I know. Yeah. It's it's not good. Um. So, obviously, there were some complaints about that. Yeah. Um, Second published edition, Dahl revised, and as I read in my description, he instead describes them as small people with white skin and golden brown hair. He makes up a country, Loompa Land, um, makes up, you know, all the monsters that are there in Loompa Land. But it was kind of lazily done. Yeah. Um, like, there's still a really obvious metaphor for native people. For, like, people. native people. Yeah. yeah. Um, just more generically. Yeah. Um, there is not specific native people. Right. just a caricature there's, of yeah, generic like, native people. Basically, he went back and, well, I'll, I'll just make them white then. And that makes everything better, right? It's fine now, right? Yeah, they're it's not, fine now. It's they're totally not, they're cool. They're not black, so we got it, right? We're good? Cool. But they still, like, they wear, like, they wear deer skin. Oh. And, um, he ships them to the factory in boxes. It's really not good. Um, so I'm like, I, it's one of the things that really dates the book. Yeah. Like, really, really dates it. Yeah. 
the changes were lazily done. Yeah. He did make the changes, which yeah. is more than you can well, say, for a, can say for a lot of authors. Yeah, they would just be like, fuck you. That's, yeah, that is what I'm, it is. I do think making that change for the movie was a good decision. Yeah. I think that's an improvement. Yeah, it kind of helps separate it. Uh, they're a little less, when it's a fantasy land and it's yeah. not so obviously, like they're in like suits and... Yeah. Yeah, it, I, you can still see that in that where they're kind of, you can mm-hmm. still see it there but it's you have to kind of really look it's not as obvious like it, you know you can still it still feels a little like yeah yeah oh wrong it's weird it's still a little off but it's yeah it's better a little <laughs> roll doll racist confirmed get him twitter he's dead <laughs> uh yeah a lot of old fiction yeah. Tends to be problematic. Uh, yeah, in ways. I, I mean, you have to. I mean, you got to really think about it when you read um, something that was written a fair amount of time ago. You're not just reading a story, you're also reading a historical document. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah, you just got to kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah take it yeah. with what it is. It's, yeah. People who found it, spoilers, people who found it are country owned slaves. So, like, <laughs> you know. Things used to be different. Not great. Yeah. Uh, still not particularly great. No. But different. But different. So, yeah, that's interesting. That's, uh, uh, yeah, that's kind of actually, yeah. it's funny because I had never read it, but I was kind of figured that might be where that yeah. was going. And now then to me, too, what's interesting, if we think back to um, his editor, who didn't want him to make Charlie a black boy... Of course his editor didn't call him out on the racist no. African pygmy people. Caricature of the... Yeah. No. Of course he didn't. Nah. What a jerk. No. It's all the editor's fault. That's what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the that editor's fault. That motherfucker. It's always the editor's fault. <laughs> that was all I had for Lost Adaptation. It wasn't even really... I just wanted some extra background, and that, yeah. I think that was a good discussion about Oompa Loompas... Were they called Oompa Loompas in the yeah, original? I think so. Like, when they were pygmy people from... Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. So it looks like um, they were called Oompa Loompas. Okay. Um, from what I can see, it looks like maybe that was, like, the name of the tribe. Ah. Okay. It gets just better and better. Yeah. <laughs> better and better all the time. Oh, boy. All right. Olympus, hashtag problematic. Moving on. <laughs> uh, do we do better in the book first or better in the movie first? Um, better in the book. All right, time for better in the book. Okay, a lot of things. Okay. Um, spoiler alert, I'm not the hugest fan of this adaptation. Really? I don't particularly like the movie. Really? I never really have. I really like the movie. Um, I just really like Gene Wilder, so. Could be because this was one of my favorite books growing up. Yeah, that's fair. That would make sense. Um, and the movie does a lot of things. <laughs> The movie does a lot of things. Takes a lot of like liberties and things. Right. Um, okay. I'm just gonna list some stuff. Go for the it. The movie kills off Charlie's dad. Oh, his dad's in the book. His dad's in the book. Um, he works at a toothpaste factory, screwing the caps onto toothpaste bottles, which is a very rolled doll thing yes, to is. have someone do. Yeah. Um, and then the toothpaste factory closes. Ah. There are a lot of factories in this town. Yeah. Never thought about it. That's one of those towns. Ta- yeah, it's one of those. It's, 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 it's the industrial boom of, yeah, like 1930s or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what year or decade it's supposed to be, but. Roald Dahl's stories are dark, but they're not grim, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And to me, the movie is a little grim. In what way? I just... I don't I don't know. I just think it, it misses the... 
It doesn't have the same tone okay. that the book has. It's not. It's. It's not the same. Okay. <laughs> uh, you don't want to expand on that at all. Just... I'm gonna try. Okay. All right. So, dark things happen in rolled doll books, but it doesn't feel real. Okay. The movie is a little more grounded in realism. Mm-hmm. Charlie's dad is dead, so, and Charlie has a paper route, which would make sense for a family that's poor, but that's not in the book. Right. Because it's a little more grounded in fantasy. I think I know what you're saying. I think what you're saying is that the... The hardships that befall the characters in the book uh, are heightened to where they border on absurdity. Maybe. Not, yes. not necessarily, but to the point... Similar to something like Lemony Snicket. Yes. Where it's... It's hardship, but it's it's turned up to 11 to where you almost laugh at it. Like his dad working at a factory. Like being so downtrodden that your job is screwing the caps on yeah. toothpaste uh, tubes. Like that is... Like, if you wanted to ground that in reality, his job would just be a shitty factory job. But yeah. when you take that extra step and make it this, like, overly mundane, overly specific, terrible factory job, it it adds that twist of uh, surrealism to it. Yes. That, that lightens it in a way, that, that sort of yeah. takes it out of the realm of reality for lack of a better word and, and, and so I, I think i see what you're saying in that regard the things that suck suck in a way that's fun yeah maybe it's you know i mean and not that they're fun but they're right. not they're not grim and gritty and real right right like, no, yeah. i no like i said i i think i i think i i know exactly what you're saying it's lemony snicket versus oliver yeah maybe is a way to like <laughs> say it i don't know you know what i mean like like orphan child <laughs> but like fun orphan child. <laughs> i don't know all right but i i do i do think i know what you're saying i think yeah. I, I think i get uh, tonally what you're talking yes. about like the yeah the I, I think part of too what bothers me about the movie is that they tried to like substitute for that by like making it brightly colored yeah. and having a lot of puns. Right. And that's not really the thing. Yeah. That's what you're saying. So there's a message in this book that I think is there in the movie, but um not to the extent that it is in the book. Okay. There's so there's a message about um people using their resources to gain an unfair advantage. Right. Um, which is present in the movie. It's definitely present. But it's a little more... Um... I mean, it's pretty exclusively limited to Veruca Salt's character in yeah. the movie. Like, it's just her dad has a bunch of money and the factory to have people unwrap candy bars. Right. So that's how she gets her ticket. But that's really the only character where that really manifests because the rest of them just seem to find... I mean, they all have well-to-do parents, but yes. they aren't like... Yeah, they're all they're all doing all right. Whereas the Bucket family, there's literally a chapter called "The Family Begins to Starve." Uh, <laughs> like they have nothing. <laughs> you said it wasn't grim, Katie. <laughs> it's not helping your "it's not grim" argument. But like, okay, I thought of the thing that the distinction that bothers me. Um, so, um, for a lot of the movie they kind of like i think there's more like encouragement of like this idea that charlie has just as much of a chance as anybody to find the golden ticket and especially because he wants it more fucking yeah because he wants it that's not more how shit or works something in real life. no that's not how it works um people who have a lot of money have more chance more of a chance of finding the golden tickets yeah. um this is a flaw in willy wonka's plan yeah um but there's actually, like, they don't encourage that idea. 
in the book. I want to read a little section if I can find it. Nonsense, cried Grandpa Joe. Wouldn't it be something, Charlie, to open a bar of candy and see a golden ticket glistening inside? It certainly would, Grandpa. But there isn't a hope, Charlie said sadly. I only get one bar a year. You never know, darling, said Grandma Georgina. It's your birthday next week. You have as much a chance as anybody else. I'm afraid that simply isn't true, said Grandpa George. The kids who are going to find the golden tickets are the ones who can afford to buy candy bars every day. Our Charlie only gets one a year. There isn't a hope. So, yeah, that's definitely, they cut George George's lines <laughs> out. Um, you know, I I can see why they did it, because they want it to be, I feel like in their head, what the, the when they cut that and they changed it to, oh, yeah, Charlie's got just, because they literally leave the first half of that in. Yeah. Charlie's got just as much a chance as anybody, and then they add on more. By by uh, be, with uh, Joe yeah, saying he's got even more chance because he wants it more. I think what they were going for was like trying to be like it's like an inspirational message of like if you really want it you can go out and do you can achieve your dreams. You sure, out, you know what I mean. I feel like that's what they were going for because they thought it would just be depressing <laughs> to be like yeah, like rich people they. They got it better. Yeah. They got, they're going to do, they're going to get stuff because they got money to get stuff and you're poor. So deal with it that you're not, you know what I mean? So like, I guess I get what they were going for with that change of trying to make it Mm -hmm. seem empowering, but it is definitely against message. Like it it, it definitely goes against the sort of um, realist uh, outlook of, and sort of the, the commentary on uh, class disparity. Yeah. That the book has. Yes. No, it's still, it still touches on that because it is all the rest of the people that find the tickets are all middle right. to upper middle class, if not straight up just wealthy. Yeah. Um, so that's still there to an extent, but I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think you're right. I think they were trying to make it a little more inspirational. I prefer um, this sort of discourse yeah. about it um, and about the ways that people do use their resources to gain an unfair advantage right. in something that's supposed to be, you know, a contest that's open to anyone. Yeah, open, random. Because, too, that also ties in with the messages about, you know, your behavior and being yeah. spoiled and the right. way that you act. Right. and Which then brings me to... Uh, Slugworth side plot slash fizzy lifting drinks. (laughs) First Slugworth side plot. Yes. Um, it makes sense, but the story doesn't need it. Okay. Um, nasty kids get eliminated by the factory itself and by their own behavior. Like, that's the whole kind of point yeah so there's really no reason for the whole slug worth who's gonna take the uh everlasting gobstopper blah 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 there's really no point to it yeah um fizzy lifting drinks mm-hmm. which is not in the book not in the book um again a whole other point to the story is that he's the only kid who doesn't just go into the factory and do whatever the hell he wants right Like, he's the only one. Yes. Um, So this story is basically a morality play. Yeah, 100%. Um, And the movie unnecessarily complicates that. Okay. Like, for no reason, complicates it. That was my point with the fizzy lifting drinks, because what I wrote after that and what we put a pin in, I was like, this scene kind of ruins the whole point of Charlie's character. Yeah. Is that he's the character who who's who's uh, you know mild mannered, well behaved, mm-hmm. and doesn't just do what he wants. Yeah, he's the only one who's not a complete brat. Yeah, and so having a scene where Willy Wonka says, "Don't do this," and then he does and the then thing. He does the thing that it, makes him the same as the other kids. He literally, it's the exact same thing that all the other kids do, but his has no repercussions. Yeah, for some reason, other than. 
See, and then they had to add the slug. They, it's a weird thing where because because they have that, yeah. they have to add the Slugworth storyline to give him to redeem him that redemptive at arc, the end. and to have that moment where where Willy Wonka says, "No, you lose. Good day," because he still violated the rules or whatever. But he goes back and gives him the everlasting gobstopper in spite of that. So there's some, I think there's an interesting moment there where even though. Like, Willy Wonka yells at him, he's like, get the fuck out. Even in spite of that, Charlie still won't, you know, sell yeah. him out, won't won't give up the, the, the gobstopper to Slugworth. But, yeah, it, it feels like, okay, so he... It, it's, it's so... It just seems completely out of character, and it, it kind of just ruins the whole point of what... Like I said, it's like yes. every other character, when they do something wrong, when they misbehave in the moment in the factory, they they... There are repercussions for it. And then Charlie does it, and it's fine. Like, it's not fine. Like, he gets yelled at, but then it's fine I, still. So, like, would it, would he have given it to the other kids if they had also, after they got fucking pulled out of the incinerator or whatever, if they still walked up to him and go, here's your gobstopper back? That's the question. Like? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they probably like, wouldn't have, to be fair, but... It's a, yeah, it's a weird it's, change. It's an unnecessary complication. Both of them are. There's no reason for it. Because we arrive at more or less the same yeah, conclusion. Same Charlie conclusion. gets the chocolate factory. Yeah. yeah. So what, why? I, I, why? My only guess is just they wanted a a fly, an extra like interesting scene. But it doesn't even... Yeah, it's really weird. Like, it's really weird that they added that. Like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense because yeah, I feel like you could have done that scene. I, I guess they... I don't know. I don't know why they added it. I, I, I could, Because it's like, it doesn't add anything. All it does is detract from Charlie and Grandpa's mm -hmm. character. It doesn't add anything to them. It just it just makes them on the same plane. Not the same, but like, a, you know, puts them on the same level as everybody else is having broken a rule. Yeah. And then the only reason you do that is so that when Charlie gives the gobstopper back, that's his final moment of the. But you, if you cut that out completely, then he still is. He just he gets he's it because. I guess maybe what they did is they wrote that really great scene for Gene Wilder where he <laughs> says, "I said good day, sir," and they like needed that moment. God, yeah. Because it's I a great, that. it's great, it's really well delivered, and Gene Wilder crushes it, and they really liked that, so they're like, we need a reason for him to yell at him, so they break the rules. Or, like, I, I, yeah, it makes no sense. It really does. It really, it's a weird change. It makes no sense, and I hate it. That's fair. I mean, I wrote the same thing. I'm like, this feel like this doesn't make any sense. Like, it just kind of, it. And it, and it, it misses the point, too, of kind of what, Rolled Dolls children's stories are because they are all in their own way kind of morality plays. Yeah. And they're very simple. Like they're kooky and they're dark, but they're simple. Good people are good, bad people are bad. That's it's not right. really about character arcs. Right. In his books. So, like, that's not what it's about. It's about the stories. And it's not even a character. The thing is that it's not, if it was a character arc, that would be one thing, but it's not. It's just an out-of-character moment for Charlie. Mm-hmm. Because he's goaded on by his asshole grandpa. Yeah. And then he goes right back to being... The well-behaved. The well-behaved good person. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, just, it's just an out-of-character moment. All right. Uh, we got to move along here. Uh, Any no, more for Better in the Book? There are two other things All I want right, to mention real quick. All right, let's quick. Um, squirrels are better than geese. Oh, that's right. It is squirrels. Because Squ squirrels are like a Charlie million times better than movie. geese. Yes. I hate geese. Is it um, nuts? Yeah. Yeah. And all the squirrels grab her and they knock on her and listen to see if she's a bad yeah, yeah, nut. And then they throw it on the garbage scene. chute. That's, that's one of the fun scenes in the, re uh, the yeah. Johnny Depp one. That is actually a pretty fun when it is squirrels. Which I can understand... How it would have been difficult for them to accomplish that in 1971. Yeah, yeah. That's but why squirrels they did are it. still better than geese. That's why they did it, I bet, because it makes it's yeah. very easy the way they did it. That makes yeah. sense. It works. It's without having squirrels coming up and <laughs> knocking on you. Yeah. Um, another thing, the movie completely leaves out like the best part at the end of the book, which is that we get to see all of the other kids leave oh, the factory, that been fun. and they're all like changed and bedraggled and like beaten down yeah 
And, like, uh, Mike TV has been, like, stretched out to be, like, ten feet tall. <laughs> and it's a really good scene. Yeah, that would have been fun. Um, and the Quentin Blake uh, illustrations of that scene is really good. Um, I'll see if I can find it yeah, and put it, it on the Facebook, Facebook page. page. Yeah. So I was disappointed that they yeah, left that, that out. that would have been a fun scene. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have liked that. Because it would also give him some resolution, because we don't know. Like, yeah, we don't we don't know die. what happened. Maybe some yeah, of them maybe did they die. got incinerated yeah. and turned into fudge. And... I mean, it's implied, definitely implied that they didn't, but still it's <laughs> yeah. Yes. Better in the movie. Let's do it. Okay, better in the movie. I just have a couple things. Okay. You should just have one Gene Wilder. <laughs> It's not even better in the movie, it's just... I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, okay, well, we talked about changing the Oompa Loompas. Yes. was a good idea. Yeah, a good um, idea. The movie gets pretty real about, like, how crazy everybody would go about this. About, about the, the, golden, the tickets, golden tickets. Yeah. Um, which is an element that's not really present in the book because it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting that they like showed everybody freaking out. Yeah, and, like losing their Yeah, minds and like that. people auctioning off bars my, of candy. Yeah, and I think my favorite moment of that is the reporter or the anchor, the news anchor, uh-huh. and he's like, I don't know, God, what does he say? He says something along the lines of like. Somewhere out there, another lucky person is moving closer and closer to finding the last of the most sought-after prizes in history. Though we cannot help but envy him, whoever he is, and we might be tempted to be bitter in our losing, we must remember there are many more important things. Many more important things. Offhand, I can't think of what they are, but I'm sure there must be something. That moment, all I, I actually loved all of the moments with that anchor. Yeah. It was really in, enjoyable. And I also loved looking at those news sets where it's just like a desk in the middle of a giant yeah. blue room with like two um, guys in desks behind him. I don't know if it was like the studio or a lot of this movie looks really cheap to me. Really? Yeah. Like, well, they made it for three million's not nothing in 1971, but it's not. Like a lot of the sets to me look pretty spare. And I don't know, maybe that was just like the time period. Yeah, or... that's part of that. And it wasn't a ton of money. Their budget yeah. wasn't huge. I mean, it wasn't. And I mean, three million's not nothing back then, but it's also not a huge budget. Cheap and so 70s. God, it's also 70s. Really? See, I didn't. Oh, look at their hair. Look at their clothes. Yeah, I guess. Listen to the music. Yeah, it's also 70s. Know, um, so, how crazy everybody goes, that was a thing that I liked. Um, the person who fakes having a ticket oh, yeah. um, isn't in the book. I thought that was, um, yeah, it was an interesting addition. So, does, does Charlie just get his ticket while there's still one? Yeah. He just, he's, he finds money. Yeah. That goes down the same way, and he goes and buys a candy bar. Um, and then he buys one more, oh, yeah. and that one has. So that the, scene is yeah. pretty similar, but he just yeah. there's not the extra moment of because I, I think that's interesting that he buys those candy bars, not thinking that he's going to win a ticket. Yeah, which is interesting. It's an interesting change, but okay. He just buys them because he really wants to smash that chocolate. Gene Wilder plays Willy Wonka really different from in the book like it's a really different interpretation yeah um you can tell right away that he's got something up his sleeve yeah um and what book willy wonka is definitely a trickster but it's less obvious yeah um he's really like kind of childlike he speaks in exclamation marks all the time he's more like the johnny depp one probably uh, I don't think I've ever. I don't. I've only seen parts of. My it. guess is, from what I remember of Johnny Depp's performance, that sounds more like yeah how Johnny Depp plays. Um, him. like he comes off as like really passionate about everything. Um, whereas Wilder's Wonka seems almost kind of sad really? to me. I didn't like get he that. seems like like the depressed artist archetype. I didn't get that. He seems in that in that room where he's going around in the in the the uh, like ex, whatever he calls it the experiment not the experiment room but the room where he's like fucking creating stuff. Yeah, he seems very into it there. Like to me, like well, he's... I don't. I mean, it's not that he's not into it, but like his portrayal to me comes off as kind of melancholy. Yeah, he definitely has that. A little bit of that. I can see where I see. I see what you're saying. 
Ah, I think that that's the I, that's a choice he made because he's very clearly uh, once the elevator goes through the ceiling, he's very um, well. Actually, from the moment that Charlie puts the everlasting gobstopper on his desk, mm-hmm. his facade completely drops. Yeah, and he's nothing but genuine for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and. So I think, and like we said earlier, when he said, like, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do a cartwheel, or I'm going to do a somersault, mm-hmm. and then from that point on, you'll never know if I'm telling the truth or lying. I think his whole portrayal is supposed to be that, because he's, he's, he's weeding out, he's, he's fucking with them in order to right. find, I, I don't know, I like it, I think it's interesting, I think it's is an it, interesting I, idea. Yeah, it's, it's different, I wouldn't necessarily say it's better or worse. Okay, that's fair. Um... See, like, in the book, it comes off a lot less, like, he's actively trying to weed them out. Right. Um, it happened, that happens, like, more because of the kid's behavior. Right, well, and it does in this, too. Yeah. I mean, he never actively does anything. That, right. But he, I mean, he has the, oh, no, don't stop, yeah. like that. And, I mean, there, and there's less of that element right. in the book. Yeah. Although I suppose you can interpret dialogue however you'd yeah. like. <laughs> like he could be like, no, don't stop. And then Gene Wilder's like, no, don't stop. Please, no. Yeah. Interesting. I, I love Gene Wilder in this movie. He's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's good in everything, but I think he's brilliant in this movie. All right. Anything else for better in the movie? No. All right. Let's do it. The final verdict. Katie. I think you know how this yeah, is going to go. This is going down. I'm going to give it to the book. All right. The book <laughs> is better. According to Katie, I, you know, it's because it, 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 it makes sense in a, in a film that made as many changes as it yeah. did. What, so uh, what else is very different about the ending? Uh, I wanted to get into that real quick. The, because uh, Roald Dahl, one of the main reasons he didn't like them, some of the songs they added, but he also mm-hmm. disavowed it because of the major uh, changes they made to the ending. I am gonna assume it's, is that the the Slugworth that the that's probably gobstopper. the Slugworth gobstopper Cause thing. Does, it, does the rest of it end in the same way where More he or goes less, through the yeah, elevator? Yeah, they go and up then... in the elevator, they pop out of the roof. He gives him the chocolate factory. I mean, the only other big thing that's changed, like I said, we don't get to see the kids leave. Right, um, but this adds like my and the, I mean, and the book ends with them like crashing into Charlie's house to get his family, right. but that's sure. yeah, that's a minor, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not, not a huge change. So I would, I mean, I would have to guess that he was the upset about this, and yeah, the, the way that that Which changes the are major changes. That is a pretty major change, and it's a really weird change, like we yeah. discussed earlier. So I, I can see that that is a that's a very strange. change. I mean, I think I, like as a writer, I would be upset by something like that. Because, I mean, that messes with the integrity of the story. Yeah. No, it does. It definitely does. It, like I said, I, I mean, I, I wrote it down where I was like, this almost ruined, and it doesn't ruin, but it's like kind of to an extent ruins like Charlie's character. Yeah. Like that's the whole point is that he's not an asshole. He's, he's good. <laughs> he's the good one. And then when he breaks the rules, it's like, but the, uh, like that's the whole point. <laughs> so he doesn't break the rules and everybody else does. So mark another one up. For the book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory gets the nod over Willy Wonka and the Chocolate <laughs> Factory. Gene Wilder did his best, and he'll always get my vote. But Katie's going with the book. Guys, thank you for listening to the 11th episode of This Film is Lit. What's our next episode going to be? Other, than, I mean, our prequel episode will be next. Well, we'll talk about some stuff and preview our next book slash film, which is... Our next book slash movie that we're doing. This is exciting. Is Fight Club. Oh, this is exciting. <laughs> Shit, you've never seen Fight Club either. No, I've you? never, read, never read the book. Oh, this is going to be never super seen the movie. interesting. Um, like, I, I know little tidbits about it here and there. I'm excited. But this is going to be fun. Not that much. This is going to be fun. I have, this is a weird, it's interesting movie. It's got interesting message. Uh, Chuck Palahniuk, or whatever the fuck you say his name, is an interesting author. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of discussion about the sort of themes and meaning of yeah. this book slash movie well uh, i know it's a really like famous popular it's a very famous movie it's yeah. like in the top 100 movies of all time um but it's also very hotly debated because a lot of like 
like shitty edge lords like it because they interpret it surface level, and right. then a lot of other people like it because they go a little bit deeper. But then there's also kind of like in the critical analysis of it, it's a little bit muddy on what the actual message. I could be wrong. I I watched a a really interesting analysis of the movie years ago. Um, I think Folding Ideas did it. I think, but so I'm really excited for this okay. one. This is this is gonna be interesting. It's I'm gonna sure be a fun we'll discussion. we'll get into some analysis. This is gonna be a fun discussion because there's lots of. Uh, <laughs> Let's say uh, culturally and uh, socially significant and relevant uh, messages that. Is that a mountain? What is that? Is that a water heater? In this moment, we realized our upstairs neighbor's pipes were leaking into our apartment. We love our upstairs neighbors. I don't even think it's their fault, probably. It's just their pipe. So, minor uh, emergency. We're going to go take care of this. Do us a favor, go rate us on fa- or iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you listen to us on. Go write us a review, give us a five-star rating, that'd be great, helps us out a lot. Check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash thisfilmislit, Twitter, at thisfilmislit, and that's pretty much it. We gotta go deal with stuff, <laughs> life, so thanks, bye! <laughs>